Hello everyone and welcome back to the Misunderstood World Podcast. I'm your co-host Bill. And I'm your co-host Dylan. And uh, I want to say a big welcome back to another Current Affairs episode. This is episode 8 of the whole podcast. And today, there's two particular topics that me and Dylan want to talk about. Uh, first of all, I just want to say hope everyone is well listening to this podcast. Hope everyone is over well. Hope you're having a good day. So... The first topic is going to be my topic, which I'm going to talk about Elon Musk acquiring Twitter. And what are you talking about, though? Well, I'll be talking about our new Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, uh, which is the um, newest Tory leader after Liz Truss. He won the um, MP vote. Well, no, really, Penny Morden dropped out. So I'll be talking about him as uh, our new Prime Minister. There you go. Right, so let's get straight into it. So... Let's My topic was Elon Musk acquiring Twitter. Now, we had an inkling that Elon Musk was going to buy Twitter a while ago, but then we didn't actually hear anything, Dill. I didn't hear anything for a yeah, while. Yeah, he was sort of um, baiting everyone out, saying, or teasing rather. He was sort of saying, oh, yes, I'm going to buy Twitter. And then didn't hear anything about it. Um, and then now he suddenly bought Twitter. Um, what, what do you think of that, that bill of uh, him purchasing Twitter, uh, the CEO of Tesla and the ex-boss of PayPal? Well, I'm going to be honest with you, Dil. I'm actually really excited that Elon Musk has bought Twitter. And let me explain why I think, why I'm really excited that Elon Musk bought Twitter. Was, yeah, please do. So, Twitter, Twitter, a lot of people would class Twitter as a platform that you could, you know, tweet tweet what you want, tweet there, tweet, tweet this, tweet that. But, you know, there's part of Twitter because Twitter's uncensored because, you know, there's all sorts of things on there. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so, uh, yeah, I'm happy he's bought Twitter because I believe in free speech mm. and I believe there should be a platform where any where people can have... People that are their own consciousness and people are at their own... People, our own person so i believe people are entitled to their opinion whether other people agree or disagree with that opinion so let me just get up a tweet from elon that he released there i think it was the early hours of this morning there or yesterday so he said i wanted to reach out personally to share my motivation in acquiring twitter there has been much speculation about why i bought twitter and that i don't I think and i think about advertising most of it has been wrong the reason i acquired twitter is because it is important to the future of civilization to have a common digital town square where a wide range of beliefs can be debated in a healthy manner without resorting to violence there is currently great danger that social media will splinter into far right wing and far left wing echo chambers that generate more hate and divide in our society in the relentless pursuit of clicks, much of traditional media has been fueled and catered to those polarized extremes, as they believe that is what brings in the money. But in doing so, the opportunity for dialogue is lost. That is why I bought Twitter. I didn't do it because it would be easy. I did it because it was hard. No, he didn't say that, but that's what uh, Kennedy said. I didn't do it to make more money. I did it to try and help humanity, whom I love. And I do so with humility, recognizing that failure in pursuing this goal, despite our best efforts, is a very real possibility. 
That said, Twitter obviously cannot become a free-for-all hellscape where anything can be said without no consequences. In addition to adhering to the laws of the land, our platform must be warm and welcoming to all, where you can choose your desired experience according to your preferences. Just as you can choose, for example, to see movies or play video games, ranging from all ages to mature. I also very much believe that advertising, when done right, can delight, entertain and inform you. It can show you a service or a product or medical treatment that you never knew existed, but is right for you. For this to be true, it is essential to show Twitter users, Twitter users advertising that is as relevant as possible to their needs. Low re- relevancy ads are spam, but high relevant ads are actually content. Fundamentally, Twitter aspires to be the most respected advertising platform in the world that strengthens your brand and grows your enterprise. To everyone who has partnered with us, I thank you. Let us build something extraordinary together. And that's what he tweeted. Wow, that's quite extraordinary, really. Um, Especially when he talked about uh, going to the moon there, Bill. Um, I think... um, I think it is quite new because I hear he's um, he's got rid of all the old CFOs, CEOs. He really wants to reorganize and reshape the organization as a business. Um, he's got rid of the people who were very anti-Trump. I'm not saying Elon Musk is pro-Trump particularly because I don't think he is or I, I don't think he has an opinion, but he really is meaning what he said was, but he's got rid of every, every everything. And I think he's trying to reshape it into more of a, as you said, a town square, um, a town square environment. Yeah, he is. And, you know, I really appreciate that there's someone in the world that recognizes there has to be a platform like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, because, you know, he literally hit the nail on the head when he was saying, social media is becoming extreme extreme far left and extreme far right groups yeah yeah there needs to be an echo chambers yeah there needs to be a platform like twitter um that mediates it all and it doesn't matter whether you're far left or far right you know you can come together and have it you can come together and kind of have a healthy conversation yes of course you know it's it's to me like that is like it makes sense to me. Like it's just what I think the world needs. Absolutely. And like, Absolutely, you know, yes. You, when you when someone comes through with a groundbreaking idea like Elon Musk with Twitter, you kind of think to yourself, "Oh yeah, of course that should be around. Of course, people that should be a great thing." But you don't realize until yet someone actually comes up with an idea like that. You know. So, um, but no, I really do think Elon Musk acquiring Twitter is going to bring good for humanity. You know, and there's probably there might be you know there might be people listeners listening to this that disagree with me, um, and you oh, know if yeah. you do disagree with me, I'd like um, it'd be really it'd be really cool to hear your thoughts. So if you're listening to this on YouTube, you know put um, put some comments on down. You know, um, if you're on Spotify, you know message the in, uh, misunderstood world Instagram page. And, uh, we, me and Dale really want to hear your feedback and thoughts on the videos and the current affair videos as well. Yeah, because be honest with you guys, you haven't really commented on it, so we'd love to get some uh, uh, audience participation, almost like a feedback to see how we're doing. Because you know, Bill and I are very you know new to this. Uh, we don't really have any sort of media training or any sort of training like this no, before really no. so we'd be love to see no. how the only training we have is talking rubbish to each other as yeah exactly I don't, I don't know if that really qualifies it really but we'd love to hear what you guys think um 
I mean, so, yeah. yeah. What, no, what do you think, Bill? Well, I was going to say, like, what do you, what do you um, think? Well, that's what I mean, Bill. I mean, I didn't. I I want to make this clear to the listeners. I don't actually really agree with Donald Trump. However, however, I did find it wrong when they banned him on Twitter on all of the social medias. But as we're talking about Twitter, let's just talk about Twitter. Um, and I'll tell you why. Because um, you know whether you know whether you like or not, he is the form. He is a former president of the United States of America. So I felt like the the people who owned Twitter at the time, the CFO, uh, the CEO, uh, would allow, say, you know, we'd like Putin on Twitter and, you know, pe- you know members of Al-Qaeda and Taliban. Well, you can't really have it both ways. You can't allow sort of terrorists or dictators on Twitter, but yeah, banned the leader of the free world, even though if you disagree with him. Now, I do disagree with him. And I'm saying we can't, we can't silence... Uh, people we disagree with because then we're no better than say communist countries or countries which have a totalitarian government um so he is right ultimately we do need to have um a less of an echo we can't really we have to allow free speech so we can have freedom of discussion yeah but he um, also said you know it can't be a hellscape you know there has to yeah. be a certain no of you, course. Know, you know a certain amount of uh mediation on he said yeah of course but you can't you can't say silence someone for their political views, is what I'm saying. No, definitely not. Um, and that's what they did to Donald Trump, wasn't it? Well, no, you I know. think I think what it was was because they believe he started the riots. He had he communicated it through Twitter, so that was sort of their thinking towards it. Um, however, like I said, was if they were going to ban Donald Trump, why didn't they ban Putin? Why didn't they ban you know members of the Al-Qaeda either who are arguably more of a threat to? Uh, um, the Western world, and say Trump was, you know, um, I think that, but I think that's why they were doing it. I think that's what that's what happened. You know, they realized he used Twitter, and um, they rather he didn't use Twitter, and he used Twitter, and the Twitter set up the riots, and I think they felt like Trump himself didn't do enough to sort of calm down the riots or dissociate the riots. Very similar to uh, Jeremy Corbyn and the anti-Semitism of the Low Party, actually. I mean, I, I think people felt he didn't do enough to sort of dissociate with him and sort of calm it down, even though he did start the right. Not necessarily he start the rights, but he got everyone out the Capitol and what the Capitol building, the Capitol Hill, sorry, I should say. And, um, you know, and he kind of got them all riled up. So really, he should have cal- he should have calmed down or maybe not even had that demonstration at Capitol Hill, you know. I don't know what they should have done, but I think um, it, he executed it very poorly and it sustained his leadership now as a leader. But take that out of the picture, I still think Twitter shouldn't have banned him. Yeah, they're like, I 100% agree. This goes back to what I was saying before. Um, there needs to... Everyone is entitled to their own opinion mm, and they can yeah. put on... I've, everyone is their own sovereign body and our own sovereign consciousness and everyone has the right to their own opinion where and and if you if you suppress that then like you said they'll you, you know it's a bit like communism so well, it's like it's like um you know andrew tate i know this might be a sore subject no. yeah you can see monetize now bill certain <laughs> amount of people like you know but a lot of people you know including myself you know, like i'm gonna i'm gonna say my opinion i'm not I'm gonna be honest with the listeners i don't think he should have got banned off no i don't think he should either no you but, know and that, the reason being it it goes back to this point everyone has the right to their own sovereign opinion and 
you know, tw- up Twitter and social media are platforms for people what you would think to have their own opinion. But all of, but when people get censored and whatever, whatever, I'm not saying I agree with Andrew Tate and uh, um, Donald Trump. Obviously, there are certain things that I don't agree with what they say, but I'm going to be honest with you and the listeners, you know, Dill, anyway, there's a lot of stuff I do agree with Andrew mm-hmm. Tate. You know, he talks about working hard and going after your dreams and like certain stuff like that and like being a masculine man and in this society you know i do agree with all that type of stuff but like you said i don't agree with everything you're probably the same right yeah i mean i i think he's good motivation andrew tate you know to sort of uh you know, to try and work hard, um, you know, work hard and whatnot, you know, follow your dreams. I think it can be quite motivational, especially if you feel like there isn't really motivation. Um, although if you actually listen to Andrew Tate's interview, a lot of the clips he says are taken out of context because they're, you know what I mean? They're edited down and taken out of context. Again, I don't agree with a lot of the stuff he says. I yeah. think he has, I, I think his views on women are very old fashioned. I'm not saying he doesn't treat women badly, no, he but doesn't treat I, women badly, that's does he? That's not what I'm he saying. He looks after women. What I'm saying is he doesn't really... He doesn't treat women as equals, if that makes sense. If that makes sense, he, he kind of thinks that men should just protect women, if that makes sense. But I, th- I don't think he really... Um, I don't think he really looks at it that... It's up to the individual women. There are some women who do want a man to protect them, and then there's others who who might want more of an even relationship. Likewise, there's some women who want to stay at home, and then well, there's some men who want to stay at home. So I I think you have to look at the individual relationship. You have to look at it as people, not as oh, it's a woman. Hence, she just wants to stay at home. You know, you have to look at it as an each individual, if that makes sense. And I don't think he. I don't think he really... I think what he says is quite sort of... It goes sort of against it. So that's where I kind of disagree with him on. Um, is I look at women as individuals, not as, oh, she's a woman, hence that's why she acts like that. I think that's uh, not a very uh, correct way of thinking. I think it's very old-fashioned, of course. But then he is an old-fashioned traditional person. And I'm, you know, I'm... Well, I'm a, lab- I'm a progressive, so I would be sort of... Um, I would disagree with his views there. Um, yeah, but, but then I, again, you know, like I said, uh, he got that's his own right. To yeah, no, of course, opinions. of course. Yeah, no. And I'm I'd love to, Tate. I'd love to hear what the listeners think about Andrew Tate and yeah. Donald Trump. So definitely give us a comment on YouTube or give us yeah, a message definitely. on Instagram. We definitely. get back to you, no problem. I'm, I'm not saying I, you know, I'm not saying I, yeah, I, I don't think he should have got banned though. I think, um, you know, I. I'm, I'm a big. He should have definitely not got banned at all because it's, um, you know, again, it's freedom of speech. And you know, there's people who did get him banned. When he got banned, he got much more famous. When he was banned, his fame increased exactly. by a lot exactly. because he got banned. But what? Um, and then he got back on. But what people don't understand was, if you start banning people that have different opinions of you. Um, what's going to happen is people start saying, well, why are you banning these people? And then it'll increase the following. I'm saying if there's someone who thinks an absolute idiot and absolutely wrong, 
don't ban them. Let them, ha- let them have their time on Twitter. And then people can see, oh, this guy's an actual idiot. But when you start banning people and then you create echo chambers, as uh, you say, Bill, it begins to go about. And then people be like, well, why ban these people? So you get, they get more fans and, you know, they get more, you know, people, followers following them because like, oh, this person's banned, you know. So Yeah, and in a way, in a way, it actually turns out worse yeah, for them. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. you know, because in a way, like if you ban someone off social media or, or try to cancel them that are in this cancel culture now mm. is um their followers become become more like a cult following yeah you know what i mean well, yeah i mean exactly bill i mean if you look at pierce morgan i know this isn't on twitter but he started he was on good morning britain and then they kicked him off good morning britain because he had them he had a, he had a little he had an argument with the um i forget his name the weatherman for good morning britain oh yeah about, I forget his name. yeah yeah about um about about um black people what, and Meghan Markle. No, it, I think it was about Meghan Markle, you know. I'm not oh, it could have it been, about Meghan Markle. He was having his rant about Meghan Markle because he has a vendetta against uh, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. And I, I think it's a bit I, I, I look look, Pierce, I get it, you don't like them, that's fine, but just you know, move on, really. Do you know what I mean? You know, it's not good to keep going on about how you hate them. You know what I mean? Well he I noticed on his Instagram yesterday he upload um he'll Prince Harry just released a book, didn't he? Yeah, yesterday? yeah. And he uploaded a picture of the book, and he's saying like, "Oh, you want your privacy and this and that. That's why you moved to America, but you're releasing books and all. You know what no, I mean?" I mean and he, he does. Don't get me wrong. He does have a point. And the stuff that Pierce says, you know, because he is right. Uh, Prince Harry did want his Prince Harry and Meghan Markle did want their privacy. And I know Meghan Markle's got a podcast, and I know. Prince Harry, you know, released these books as well. Um, but, um, you know, and he is right, but I just feel like Pierce Morgan had this unfiltered rage against Meghan Markle, if that makes sense. And it's gone yeah, beyond. Yeah. If I'm, I'm not saying the stuff Pierce Morgan says about them wanting privacy and them doing stuff like that, I'm, I agree with. But I'm saying is he's, he's kind of, he's, it's not necessarily, it's for him, if that makes sense. I think he's become more obsessed about hating them, if that makes sense. It's like atheists who were. Uh, that it's like meeting an atheist and then their beliefs are not believing church and then that becomes say a personality trait really if, if you know where i'm coming from yeah i know exactly where you're coming from you know it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah i know what you mean like yeah. going after someone constantly mm-hmm. isn't the best look is it like you know no, you've no. said what you fair enough he said what he said maybe you know what i mean but um but yeah, so going back to Pierce Morgan is he started in Good Morning Britain and then he moved and then he sort of let got kicked off and then he was uh he was unemployed for a few months and he he said, you know, I was listening to the diary of a CEO, he said he quite enjoyed his time being off, he could relax a bit more with the family, he was much more relaxed, he wasn't so into the news. Uh because he was a journalist, I think he was um I think he was a journalist for the Mirror, and then he became the editor for the for the for the, for the Mirror, and um, now he's on. Uh, he was going to go on a uh, uh, GB, which is Great British News, which was the one that oh, I forget his name, Andrew. 
I forget I forget his name. Um an old journalist, Scottish journalist, Andrew, I forget his surname though, um, started and it was sort of to again this has come back to the argument, it was to to compact the wokenism on BBC and ITV, but in reality it was just like the British version of, of Fox News. Uh, so sort of like a right wing version of Fox uh, of Fox a British version, I should say. It's not, not a right wing version. A British version of right of uh, Fox News. It it hasn't gone so well, but he was going to be a um, yeah. Just to stop you there, it was the son Piers Morgan worked for, not the mirror. Just, Are you sure? Just, uh, I I thought it was no. I I thought it was the mirror he worked for. Uh, as the son, he then he became the editor for the News of the World. Are you sure? I thought no. I'm sure he worked for the mirror though. I've I've just googled it here now. It was the it was the sun. Yeah. All right. Sorry, guys. I thought it worked. For no, me. no, it's all right. I just wanted to make sure the listeners got the right information. That's why all I right. googled. I thought it would. I'm sure he said it would. Anyway, that right. doesn't matter. Um, but um, he was gonna be a uh, he was gonna be a journalist on, um, or not a journalist, a, a broadcaster on GB News. But he, I think he turned it down because he realised that the show wasn't bringing in as many uh, viewers as they thought. So he's then moved around. Now he started talk TV, and I think that's just about you know it's 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 not. I mean, I've watched a bit of the few interviews on it. I, I don't think it's as right wing as GB News. But what it, I think I would say it's more liberal, um, sort of classic liberal. You've got freedom to speech and whatnot, but it hasn't got the sort of council culture, which I I, I think is quite a good. But that's that's what one example of you know if you cancel someone, the followers will just come and then it'll increase people. So what will, what what will happen if eventually was in Twitter if it kept getting worse with we're censoring people more stuff is going to be censored as a business people just end up leaving twitter and going somewhere else like um i know trump was going to start um was it a website a social media website for saloon which is for people with right wing beliefs and it, what twi- what elon musk was saying was you get people on the left and uh, people on the right split so then they just have louder louder echo chambers and then that divides us as a society which is wrong bill which is you shouldn't be having that no you shouldn't and um he yeah he has his own show now Piers morgan uncensored doesn't he yeah on talk tv yeah yes no it is like i said he Piers morgan probably recognized that's this that he needs a platform that he cannot be cancelled or he can you know he can have people on with views that go against what other people think you know that is you you'll 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 probably agree with me here, Dil. To have a functioning a functioning democrat, that democratically healthy society, you need a society where you're not going to get cancelled for having an opinion on something. Do you agree? Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Because if we have, if you've got nothing, if you've got nothing to, if you just silence the people you have a different opinion of you'll never actually evolve as a society that's what why the great the great greeks invented democracy to begin with so people could argue and have live debates about stuff you know so we can debate about matters of the day we can debate about economic policy we can have different opinions in societies it's so people can have a chance to talk because if you just what will happen is you'll just separate society and it will you know it will weaken it will that week it weakens the society because the more speech is um is monitored and censored and stuff the more um, separate different groups become and the, the more 
you get more and more groups that become very like divided and you get more groups like you know far extremist groups that's what i'm trying to say so you if you censor information when you censor information it's a breeding ground for for um extremist groups well you know what a good example was was uh, during the pandemic was the anti-vaxxers of the covid vaccine and the um the um, you know the covid deniers you know those sort of people were getting banned and then they would just create echo chambers because people were like, well, why are we getting banned then? Because we're speaking the truth. So that's, yeah. that's an example of that. You have to, this is very controversial, but if I was reading it, I'd let them stay on social media or I'd even invite them on news to hear so people could hear how ridiculous their views are, to be honest with you, Bill. Yeah. And to see definitely. how, you know, to see how idiotic it is. Um, yeah. You know, but if you just start censoring it, what's going to happen is people are going to think, well, hang on a minute. Why are they censoring it? And also, what you got in the stand during 2020, Bill, a lot of people had to stay indoors. It's not natural for humans to stay indoors over long periods of time. So people's people's minds were mentally, I would say, as, as, as a world and, you know, as a nation, our country, people's minds were uh, not thinking straight. It was mentally quite delicate, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, though. <laughs> You know, so, but like I said, you know, the listeners, um, you know, if you've got an opinion on this, on Elon Musk, or on Twitter, or if you disagree with me and Dill's opinions, you know, make sure to get in touch with us. You know, we're not going to go mad at you for having an opinion. That's exactly no. what we're trying to say that we're against, you know, we're, we're trying to have open debate, basically. Yeah, we wanted to have a healthy, open, intellectual debate, you know. Yeah, so, you know, get in contact with us either, uh, you know, through Instagram or through YouTube comments or TikTok or i'm also on twitter now so, yeah there you go we're on twitter so you know, you know, twitter. You know. right so uh i've i think we're done with my topic for now little so uh why don't you introduce the listeners to what you want to talk about today so we've had again in this great country ours another prime minister <laughs> sorry that's just <laughs> quite funny actually uh we have uh prime minister rishi sunak um he took over from liz trust after penny Morden dropped out of the leadership race um he is um now this is now the sec this is sorry now this is the third prime minister now since johnson that the conservatives have put in um it, it put in a leader without a mandate um yeah i mean fair play he has hit a historical milestone as he's the first british british asian uh, prime minister and even though yes i am a member of the labor party and i would oppose everything he's against i do i do admire him for being selected as the first asian mp as i do have asian heritage um i he i think his family are from pakistan uh, my origins are indian um so you know i do i do think fair play but i think it doesn't feel as um it doesn't feel as official really because he, there wasn't a general election i would feel more official i'd feel like it'd be more official if he actually uh called a general election or at least had a general election but at the moment he's more or less inherited um being prime minister from not even uh from the public but from c- the conservative uh, parliamentary group in westminster yeah, definitely. And I think he might be the, um, I'm not having a, a go with him or anything, but he might have be the shortest prime minister as well. He's he's five foot five and I've seen yeah. pictures of him. Like, I didn't think he, I didn't know. He was yeah, I thought he was a bit, I didn't think he was really tall, but uh, during the, when he was chancellor uh, during the pandemic and he had those briefing, I thought he was a bit 
tall. I thought he was like five ten, but he's yeah, he's he's not he's not the tallest. But obviously, that's not the deal. He's uh, he's uh, obviously you know we're just making an observation here. That's nothing to yeah. do with how good as a PM he'll be like. But. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll talk about that. I mean, let me think. Uh, so Rishi Sunak as a PM. Um, I'm not really too sure how he's going to be. Um, I know we have this argument with Triss. I think he'll be to the right of the party, um, but he won't be as uh, bonkers as um, Liz Trust. I mean, I've just had done a bit of research on him now. And um, he um, he studied politics, philosophy, and economics at Oxford, and then he did an MBA, MBA an MBA, sorry, in America. And I think that's where he met his wife, um, and that's how he's got that non-dom tax status, basically, that, because his wife, I think, is American or her family American. Um, but if you uh, look at the record, he's he's a very keen economist. He understands the econo- e- economy. Uh, he was a uh, fi- he was an investment banker, and I think he set up he set up his own firm. And then, as for actual jobs, he got um, he is um, he was he was the um, minister for the civil service. So that's for listeners who don't know. Um, are that that's for that's for basically government workers. So anyone in the home office. Uh, foreign office, uh, you know, um, pensions. There, that's basically what it is. It's, it's if you're a civil servant, you're a government employee. Um, he was also uh, minister of the union, which is uh, basically to ensure that all countries within Britain, so that would be Wales, England, Northern Ireland, and Scotland, are their relations are working well, and they're acting. He's acting on their behalf, basically, and make sure their relationships are okay and everything's okay. Or, you know, running smoothly. Um, he was he was then um, in charge of the secretary. Uh, sorry, it's not secretary. He was in charge of the treasury. I I do I do apologise there. Which is basically he was he was not a chancellor, but he was sort of second in charge from the chancellor, and that's why he took over from Savage Javid um, in twenty nineteen. So he was basically second in he was basically second in uh, charge. His seat was York, and if that's a former prime minister's seat, I believe that was I think not former prime minister, sorry, former leader of the Conservative. I think it was Michael Howard from the Tory Party. Uh, Rishi Sunak, uh, I, I think of some interesting facts here. He was uh, one of the original Brexiteers. So if you like, he was a Brexiteer before Brexit was a thing. I think he was a big believer, which kind of makes sense because I think the arguments for Brexit was that it would increase Britain's economic prosperity. So him being a chancellor uh, and um, you know banker and understanding it, I think he kind of thought where uh, Britain could grow its economy without holding up to eu regulations um he did actually start a firm a banking firm um so he again i think he in terms of banking he probably knows quite a lot but i don't know how he's going to be as leader um i watched his first pmq's debates today actually Gina were in preparation for this and he, he seemed he didn't seem that strong i felt like um keir starmer was uh, really arguing with him and he Basically, Keir Starmer brought out the fact that you've rehired Susanna Bradman, who actually had to uh, was sacked. I think she was sacked or she resigned because she, um, she when she was Home Secretary for Liz Trust, Trust she, um, which was not this week but a week before, she um, 
she let sensitive information sent from her personal information, which I think is very, very irresponsible for a Home Secretary. Um, but he's just rehired her and put her back in the job as Home Secretary. So I don't know. I, I think he was just doing that to sort of appease more of this sort of the mad right of the Conservative Party. Um, but again, I again I, I found his um, stuff with Keir to be not a very strong uh, debate, particularly he was saying that, um, oh, that Labour are uh, financially irresponsible and you can't just spend, spend, spend. Well, he he basically, I know it was a pandemic, but when he was a chancellor, he did put taxes up and did spend, spend, spend. Although arguably, he and I will agree, he did definitely need that. But then he can't really say that we're bad at spend, spend, spend because uh, it was Liz Trust and quasi quasi Quateng who basically devalued the pound overnight. So you can't have it both ways. But yeah, that that's... Uh, what we've got. I mean, hopefully we'll see more about Sunak. I'm sure he'll introduce some policies. But at the moment, I think he's just finding his feet at the moment. Yeah, I think he is as well. Um, it's interesting to say he's a banker, though, because he's yeah, a former investment banker. He's actually, he's actually worth a fortune, actually. He's yeah. A, um, he's worth, him and his wife, I think, are actually worth more than a billion pounds. He's and him himself is worth, he's got a net yeah. worth. Yeah, over seven hundred million, which I find absolutely insane to think about. Mm. That yeah. the air prime minister is worth that much money. Now, yeah, there's going to be a lot wealthy. of people. He's that, more wealthier than our head of state. Yeah, you know, I'm, there's going to be a lot of people out there. And this is where I'm not saying I'm Labour or Conservative, but what what I will say is there'll be a lot of people out there saying, "Oh, he won't know what it what it'll be like to struggle. Like he won't know what the working class person feels like when they're trying to have money and provide and all." In a you know, what do you think about that though? No, I don't think he will really understand at all. To be honest with you, I think he's just acting up for the. Uh, cameras um, I think he, again he was quite good when the pandemic hit and he kind of gave people money and stuff like that um, but then he kind of had to um, when you remember Marcus Rashford and this is when he was Chancellor he got rid of the free school meals in England um, and obviously he kind of came in he kind of came in the fire for that um, I, I I think it I think he I think he'll just what he's gonna do is he's he's phys- physically conservative, but he's probably more of a liberal. So what he'll probably be like a bit like De- David Cameron because his chancellor was Jeremy is Jeremy Hunt who's also believes the same same sort of uh, how that's how you should govern. Um, so I think it's just gonna be he's a low tax conservative. So at the moment he won't cut tax, but he will cut tax soon. And that's when you'll see spending was will get slashed, the health services and the police and the fire will get slashed and everything because they don't believe in high government spending, basically. However, if we don't have those services, us as a British society cannot function. But because Rishi Sunak is a low tax conservative, he'll make the argument, well no, if we have low tax, it will increase the economy. But um, I mean, that is one way of looking at it. But then, then we have been through a recession and people, and yeah, you do need, sometimes you do need to cut tax, but it's, 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 you got to make sure you're not just cutting, cutting it to willy nilly. And I think he's just, it would be very, very similar to when David Cameron and Nick Clegg were um, in the coalition in power in the 2010. 
Yeah, and he um, just to correct you though, he's Indian origin, not Pakistan origin, and um, he was the former finance, as you said, the former finance minister. Um, he's actually the first practicing Hindu as well to hold the job. There you go. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yes, know. he's the first, 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 um, first um, Hindu. I think it's quite good, really, that we you know it shows yeah, that definitely the modern Britain is much more diverse. Uh, you wouldn't have that, you know. Uh, 50 years ago wouldn't be unheard of really um his seat is also in uh in in richmond in yorkshire which i find quite extraordinary um i think he's the first i think he's the first um prime minister since maybe either david cameron or gordon brown to not to not have a seat in London. Um, I think every Boris Johnson seat was in London. Uh, Theresa May was in Maidstone, which is, I think, just in London. And I think, I'll just double check that actually, where was David Cameron's seat, if that's okay. I think it's either in London or it might be in Surrey. I'll uh, just have a quick look at David Cameron's yeah, grab. seat. I just want to have a look because I, I haven't... Yeah, that's grand. While oh, you're checking that, wait, I'll just wait, uh, give a few more facts out from uh, he he's a massive Southampton FC fan. Our new prime minister, yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> dedicated to uh, his hometown football club, Southampton. He's previously hold a, he's held a season ticket as well, and his favorite player yeah. growing up was Matt Letizia. Right. Uh, there you go. Yeah, I love Star Wars. got in trouble in school for sneaking a portable television into the strict west winchester college so he he and him and his friends could watch the uh watch england play in your 96 yeah. oh. bit of a bad boy isn't he well he's he's he's, he's much more naughty than Theresa may who run around the wheat fields um I found out they've it's Whitney in Oxfordshire, so just a bit outside of London, but still probably more or less in the London elite. Uh, I think Sunak, though, from seat in Yorkshire. So I I don't know how he's going to give him, but I think it'll be more like David Cameron, low tax, but quite a liberal. But he might not be as a globalist because, again, Sunak, Cameron was quite big of the EU. He was a big believer of the EU. He was very similar to Tony Blair in that regard. But um, David Cameron, uh, sorry, Rishi Sunak was originally a Brexiteer. So, and also we're now out of the um, EU. So I think... Obviously, he's he'll, that's the only sort of difference I think they'll really come across is that Sunak is much more, um, maybe not as much as a globalist as Cameron, or Cameron was very much into big pro-globalisation of Britain uh, to make sure we work with our EU partners. Where Do you see uh, Rishi Sunak still staying in the job for quite a while, longer than Liz Truss, yeah? Uh, well, yeah, maybe. Um, he needs he'll be in power now until the next general election. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Less. So they've got eighteen members. I, as a labour, as a labour member, and as someone who's actually uh, run as a councillor, um, if you look at it tactically, um, I think if I was to put, um, compare Liz Truss to Rishi Sunak, uh, Rishi Sunak is a better parliamentarian. He's also a better. A much better campaign painter, maybe. Um, or oh, Liz Truss was a good, very good campaigner, but she wasn't that good of a parliamentarian. I found because um, I kind of felt like if um, Liz Truss was still prime minister, 
when uh, Keir St- when there was a general election, Keir Starmer would have Keir Starmer's government would have wiped the floor with her. We would have had a larger majority than ninety seven. Um, you know, I I think it'd be ridiculous. I think um, now with Rishi Sunak, he's only got eighteen months to sort of pull it together. Um, I don't think the Conservatives are going to win. I don't think. I I think it's very impossible. I think. I think a lot of Conservative. I'm listening to um, the Rest is Politics podcast with Alice Campbell and Rory Stewart, and what they were saying, and I 100% agree with. There are a lot of Tory MPs now who um, who are uh, who who actually aren't even standing in the next general election because they know they're going to lose. They don't want to stand because they're just embarrassed and they're tired. I think the Conservative Party as a whole are just tired, if that makes sense, Bill. You know, they're just tired. I don't think they can go on anymore. You know, that they need... They just, they just, they just need a new leader, really. Do you know? I think they just need a new leader. And you think Rishi Sunak isn't that leader? No, well, they they need to be. They ha- they need a new leader, and they also need to spend time in opposition because Tony Blair, which was arguably the most successful Labour government in in modern history, and when I say modern history, I mean our history, you know, he was elected in 97, me and you were both born in 98, so we literally, well not you, but I grew up under a Labour government, and a lot of our friends um, and who live around here grew up under a Labour government, um, but, you know, what they said was, because they were in power for about, I think it was 12 years, maybe, I think it was 12 years um, you know, eventually people will get tired, and they do. They do vote for a different party because they want a change. And I think we're seeing this now with the Conservative Party. It was like that before uh, Blair got in. You know, um, you had um, you had basically Thatcher, and then you had one one term with John Major because John Major took over for Thatcher. Then he beat Neil Kinnock and I had one term and then in came Tony Blair because people are just tired of the Tories and, and now we're at the same point now. People are just tired of the Tories and they want a change and change is going to happen. And, um, you know, I, yeah, you know, I just think, you know, the Conservatives need to spend time in opposition. They need to find a new leader. I don't think Rishi's that new leader because when he was Chancellor, um, he, you know, he did break uh, covid you know, re- re- uh, uh, rules when he went to a uh, party at number 10. Also, his wife non-dom tax spending. See, it sees him unrealistic. You know, his wife doesn't pay tax. And obviously, he got angry about it because it's not his business. But whether he likes it or not, he has put himself in the public light as a politician. As a politician, your life is not no longer private. It's in public view. And um, so, you know, his wife shouldn't be on... She should be paying right amount of tax. People are going to say that's corruption. And the fact that they've just, they've just gone, they've just gone soft, really. They've gone, they've gone, uh, they've gone stale and they want to change. So they need to spend at least, I don't know, 12, 13 years out of opposition and, and try again. You know, that's, that's the way it has, to, you know, has to thingy if they want to get in again. Cause they've had, they elected Boris Johnson, which was a big mistake. Yes, he got Brexit done, but he basically made the Conservative Party a joke. You know, he, he, you know, I watched debates of Corbyn and Johnson, and I watched debates of Keir Starmer and Johnson. Keir Starmer was okay, but it was like Keir Starmer was arguing with like a, a clown, you know, some guy who would go and not really make any sort of real policy. And all he would sort of say with Boris Johnson was when they were arguing about 
him breaking COVID, he'd say, oh, we're the party who delivered Brexit, and when they did nothing, it's irrelevant. We're now, we were then, because we're now in a pandemic. This Conservative Party have just lost touch. They don't know what they want. They don't know what they are. They're now just, they're now just, they're, they're just literally at the top, floating about like a bag. So, yeah, I think, you know, they need to just go away, find a new leader, and then, you know, try again, if, if they can get in, that is. There you go. Some nice words there, some nice words. The last thing I'd like to say is politicians are, are now being held more accountable. Yeah, which um, is a good thing, by the way. And the reason why it goes back to my story before is the internet. Hmm. So, and obviously uh, the internet can reach everyone on the planet if they access it. Like, it's free. Well, obviously in some countries it's monitored, whatever. But, you know politicians not just from this country around the world they cannot be getting away with what they want to get be getting away with anymore yeah fair enough like 30 40 years ago there wasn't so there wasn't social media or the internet or whatever well you know, can, they, can, can they, I, they can, can do in there bill like yeah tony blair didn't even have a phone when he was prime minister he didn't have a phone i'm not saying yeah. he was doing anything dodgy but he didn't have a phone you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know that's why now, you know, uh, you know, with Twitter or whatever, you know, they they're held, they're being held accountable because the people are having the the opinions and the people are seeing mm-hmm. these politicians for how, who they truly are, and that's just all I wanted to say on that topic. So, um, you got any final thoughts though? Well, what you just put a sent out there, Bill. Um, about him, about uh, politicians. I suppose years ago they could just hide in their offices or in their second homes and not be not be accountable. But now people can just put up, can post stuff, send stuff, tweet stuff. So they're all constantly getting reminded. So um, you know they can't, like you said, they can't really escape it. So they do need to be held accountable, and that's what I do like about social media. It does hold them more accountable to their actions. Definitely. Sorry, I think we're done for this episode. Uh, I just want to say a big thank you to the listeners that listen to this podcast. And also, I want to just remind you who's listening, you know, make sure we want, you know, me and Dill, we want a bit, you know, we want to engage with our audience. You know, if you want to comment something, if you don't feel free to do it, don't feel scared. You know, we're not going to come back at you, you know, bite your head off. You I'm know, if you want to contact us, have a conversation. Or, you know, like I said, if you not want to come on the podcast and talk about a certain subject, make sure to message either the Instagram mainly or, um, or the Facebook page or whatever. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. You have We have YouTube shorts. Uh, TikTok as well. We've got TikTok yeah and there you go yeah so just like share for the subscribe guys and uh, so we pretty much have every social apart from snapchat yeah. so like you said we're very contactable you know absolutely absolutely and um, right, got any final words we'll uh, we'll get back to you and we'll have even if you have a story exciting story i would love to hear about it wouldn't we bill yeah, we'd love to hear about your story. Like, even if you think it's a story that might not be worth telling, just message, message, give us a message, and you know we'll see if if you know if you think you've got a story to tell. Then nine times out of ten, it's going to be a good story. So mm-hmm. there you go. Absolutely. Sorry, then I just want to say thank you very much. Thank you, thank you all, guys. Again, guys, been great. Thank you. It's been the Misunderstood World podcast, and uh, take care. Take care. Bye bye. Bye.